It's time for episode 48 of the Clockwise Podcast from your pals at IDG, recorded August 7th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast that doesn't have Dan Morin on it this week. I'm your host, Jason Snell. Dan Morin is on assignment, and by assignment, I mean vacation. And so I am left to host alone, but I have three wonderful guests with me to join me on this 30-minute journey into Clockwise. Uh, moving clockwise around the table, because we're also in the same room together, it's Editor-in-Chief of PC World and Greenbot, John Phillips. Hello. Hello. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Thanks. Uh, sitting next to John on the other side of the table is editor of Tech Hive, Philip Michaels. Welcome back. I was told that this was an audition to be the permanent co-host replacement <laughs> for Dan Warren. Well, let's see how you do. Okay. And uh, sitting to my right as we move clockwise is Tech Hive editor Susie Oaks. Welcome back. Hey, party people. All right. And we're all here to talk about our four topics. And since I am the uh, I am the only permanent host so far. So far. Here. <laughs> I'm going to slip you my references across the <laughs> right. table. Thank you. Uh, I will go first with my topic, which is uh, the rumors are out there that the iPhone 6 is coming because you add one to five and you get six. That's a not not a big one. But that there will be bigger screens. The rumor is, in fact, that, there, that the base iPhone 6 will be bigger than uh, any iPhone before it and that there might even be a second model that is yet bigger, um, dare we say, in the verging on a phablet size. So my question is, if you're an iPhone user, are you excited about the prospect that you might be able to buy a bigger screened iPhone or not? And if you're somebody who is no longer an iPhone user because you abandoned the platform because the screen was too small, John Phillips, <laughs> uh, would uh, a bigger screen make you intrigued about coming back? And we'll start with John because you're here clockwise for me. Uh, yeah, I'm that guy. Uh, <laughs> and in a previous episode, I don't know when, but I did say I left the iPhone. Like about a year ago, a right? Year ago. Uh, yeah, I left the iPhone 4S for the HTC One, much bigger screen. And now I have an even bigger screen than that. Um, so I think this is a really important move for Apple. I've, it's absolutely necessary. When I, I, you know, I still have the 4S. I use it for certain apps. Um, like for my, my jawbone up, I still look at my data on, on the iPhone. Uh, and when I use it, I'm, I'm impressed by how comically small it is. I mean, it is ridiculously <laughs> small. I could never use the 4S as my everyday phone. So going to, what is it, 4.7 and maybe 5.5? Five, five yeah, I mean, the, yeah, those are the rumors. Those yeah. are the rumors. Um, yeah, that's definitely intriguing. Um, I've sort of become very... Uh, you know, I, I've joined Team Android, um, both professionally, but even more appropriately, you know, personally. So I, I would never give up uh, Android as my smartphone OS. I do like it, but I'm still an iPad guy. And so I, I appreciate iOS. And I think that this is a really important move. I think this will really goose new iPhone sales and Apple's doing the right thing. Oh, and since you have an iPad, you're kind of Able to keep a, a foot in both camps, yeah. Regardless, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think it's the best tablet still. So I, I couldn't give up the iPad, um, but yeah, I think they're doing the right thing. And uh, if I was not committed to Android as my smartphone platform, I would have, a, you know, a, I would upgrade. I would definitely upgrade from the 4S to whatever's coming out because size makes a big difference. I mean, there, there are these computers that are in our pockets now, and I need more screen real estate. So yes. 
Phil, what do you think? Well, I, I'm thrilled with this topic because so many times I appear on the show and and am grumpy about things and say, I don't see the point of that. And now that I've been named permanent co-host, I uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, uh, I I want to inject more positivity, and I I, I am very excited for uh, a larger screen. I I use my iPhone 5C a lot, uh, and sometimes I am typing on the keyboard, and I get a little bit frustrated when my big fat fingers hit the hit the wrong key or when I'm when I'm looking at a web page and there's a table and I have to flip the phone and hope that the page renders properly on the screen I I, I there are times that I do things on the phone where I think uh, I'll just wait until I'm I'm at my computer to look at this page or look at this this feature because it's too small on the screen and I'm not I'm not getting the full experience here so I I for one welcome our our rumored larger iPhone screens, and uh, I'm looking forward to this event in September. How positive of you. Yes. Susie, what do you think? Um, I'm not really going to dissent here. I have an iPhone 5C as my main phone that's got a 4-inch screen, I believe, and but lately I've been using the Fire Phone, which has a 4.7-inch screen. It's the same size that you know Apple's rumored to be going to, and I really like it. I've, used, I've tried a few of the really big phablet kind of screens, and those are too big for me. It's hard to fit them in the pants pockets, yada, yada, but... The 4.7 was a good uh, kind of happy medium for me, so I think it'll be good. I hope it doesn't like really mess up the interface somehow, but Apple is usually good about figuring that stuff out ahead of time. Um, developers are going to have to scramble to you know maybe resize their apps like they did when they went from the 4S to the 5, but um, pending all that, yeah, I'm definitely going to be getting a bigger screened iPhone when it's out. Yeah, I... Um like everybody's being so positive here. I, I actually am too. I have um, there's room in my pocket for a <laughs> yeah. bigger phone than the iPhone. And when I've tried uh, uh, larger phones, Android phones, and put them in my pocket, it's fine. Uh, oftentimes they're um, still quite thin, but they're they're just kind of wider and and longer. And there's room in my pocket for it. And so I feel like yeah, a little more space. I really love my iPad, and on my iPhone it does feel cramped. I get frustrated typing. Um, the the rumors of the super giant iPhone intrigue me. I'm skeptical of whether that would be something that I would want to carry around with me. I'm not sure whether it would fit in my pocket, but I'm intrigued by the possibility that there could be something that is a really big phone and it's almost, I use an iPad mini, it's almost the size of an iPad mini because I have this question in my mind, like, could they make a phone big enough that I would be so happy using it that I wouldn't really need the iPad mini anymore and I just have the one device? I don't know if that, the answer is yes. I'm actually quite skeptical of that, but I'm kind of intrigued by it, and I'm certainly interested to see if uh, I can get a little more screen real estate on my iPhone. There, so there's room in your pocket. There's also room in your heart. It, yes, it sounds that's like. right. The pocket so, thing is really more for our ladies. I feel like our pockets are smaller. I don't know. I hear people talking about that for their for even for the jeans pocket. Like, oh, I don't have enough room in my pocket. I already got a big phone sticking out of my pocket. I don't know who <laughs> who these people are and what their pocket sizes are. But my my blue jeans have plenty of room for a big. What phone. if the really big iPhone let Clowns you choose? Are <laughs> Maybe if they have one that's almost as big as the iPad mini, you could even choose, like, do I want the iPhone version of this app on it, or do I want to put the iPad version? You Mm -hmm. could have a little more choice there. That'd be fun. All right. We shall see. The rumor uh, reported by John Pikowski at Recode is September 9th is the announced date. Wow, so you, we'll, you said his we'll, name. We'll see. Well, <laughs> who knows if I got John Pikowski's <laughs> yeah. name right, yeah. but, you know, it's, there's a Z in there. Anyway, John, what's your topic? Sure. Okay. So uh, yesterday news came out that Timex 
is releasing. Remember them? <laughs> I think my dad's first watch was a Timex. Yeah. I, he's given it to me. Um, I do not wear it. Uh, yeah, Timex has a new watch. It's called the Iron Man 1 GPS Plus. And all, all of our journalistic brethren described it as a smartwatch. And I, I wrote something that, where I argue it is not a smartwatch because it doesn't really pass the threshold of smartwatch features. So uh, it's really a sports watch that can um, – basically it has its own 3G account. It's through AT&T, and you can uh, message, you can text message and send email, but it does not sync up with your existing data plan. And it doesn't do apps. It doesn't do phone notifications of any sort. And my argument is it's not a smartwatch. It's just a glorified sports watch. So I'd like to ask this group of people, um, does it qualify or, or does any watch that has a, a few smart features qualify as a smartwatch? Well, of course, I'm the man to talk to about smartwatches, and I always appreciate when the smartwatch uh, is a topic uh, on my various guest stints on, on uh, Clockwise. I do not believe that the Timex watch is a smartwatch. It sounds to me uh, no different from that old Casio wristwatch I had that used to have a, a little uh, 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 keyboard on it where I could uh, spell rude words by uh, typing in numbers. <laughs> and turn it upside down. Upside yeah. down. <laughs> ha ha, I typed hell. <laughs> I'm a rebel. Um, no, I, I feel that there has That's to seven, be... 7734, right? Yeah. All right. I, I feel that there has to be some sort of um, connectivity to your, your wider devices, whether it's a bridge, whether it's its own uh, connected device. But no, this, this Timex thing is Timex going, hey, don't, don't forget about us or our social club because that's how rumors get started, oh. started by the jealous people. Yeah, I would agree with that. It doesn't sound like a smartwatch. It seems like if this thing was in a phone form factor, it wouldn't even be a smartphone because it doesn't have apps and you can't you can't get on the web with it, right? You can just text no, and you stuff. Cannot. So if it was a phone, it would be a feature phone. I don't think we could call it a smartwatch just because it goes on your wrist and it does like one semi-smart thing. I should have used that argument. It's a feature watch. <laughs> it's a feature watch. <laughs> it is a feature watch. <laughs> I, so what what comes over the internet or over the over the data connection? What, you know, what they, they were very vague, but they showed they showed video and pictures of what uh, email and and what looks to be a text message. But the the guy on the video wouldn't describe it as as text messaging. He says, "Well, I'm paraphrasing," but he sort of hemmed and hawed and said, "It's a messaging feature." Interesting. Well, I, I, I guess my argument, my counter argument would be, I feel like if it's getting things off the internet, I mean, if a refrigerator gets some data sent to it, we mm. would call it a smart refrigerator. If a light bulb can be controlled over Wi-Fi, we would call it a smart light bulb. I would say it probably, if it's getting information off the internet, I would argue it is a smart watch, but it's not in the class of these phone right. accessories. And I think that's what our expectations of what a smartwatch should be now is we all are going to carry our phones. There are very few instances. I guess if you're like a, a runner or something and you don't want to have your phone with you, uh, having having something on your wrist yeah. that, that provides you with some data is a good thing. But mostly when we think about smart watches, we're thinking about them as phone accessories and it fails that test. So I don't know. I kind of argue if it's getting data from the world, it probably clears the bar, but it's not what most people are thinking of or would use. Right. right? Yeah. It's almost like, I, you know, I, I would have agreed with 
So I would have called it a smartwatch a year and a half ago now because it's almost like we've redefined what this what these things are and it's no longer that thing. Yeah, there yeah. used to there's a whole class of smart appliances like smart alarm clock clocks and stuff, right? Yeah. Which were similarly like some weird low speed wireless connection would send them data and it's like it's smart. It knows what time it is automatically right. from an atomic clock or you know, it's got the weather data and it's you know, that used to be smart. It's just, you know, now if it doesn't have apps and isn't on the internet all the time, it's, it doesn't seem smart to us anymore. It's a watch. <laughs> uh, Phil, it's your, it's your turn. Are you going to bring uh, continue with the positivity, relentless positivity on this episode? We're going to try. We're going to talk about uh, John Laguerre, who's the CEO of T-Mobile USA. Uh, quite a prolific Twitter user. Quite, a, uh, mm-hmm. uh, quite an outspoken uh, fellow. Some people look at a, a guy who, uh, who, who says what's on his mind and has lots on his mind to say. Some people would say, hey, that's a breath of fresh air. Other people might say, hey, dial it down a little bit. So I guess my question to the other panelists out there um, in the wake of uh, the latest Twitter outburst from from Laguerre in which he's uh, saying by I believe year's end that T-Mobile will overtake Sprint. And basically told the exiting CEO of Sprint not to let the door hit him on the way out. <laughs> yes. Uh, whether we find those those comments uh, refreshing or whether we we feel that he should step away from the step away from the keyboard, I'm going to throw that to Susie, who's been in the presence of the great man. <laughs> yeah, I got a selfie with them last month at the T-Mobile Uncarrier Five slash Six event in Seattle. That was fun. Um, I like him, but I think that I like him because a he sometimes tweets tech hive links, and <laughs> that's the fastest way to my heart. Thumbs up. And B, like, it's just more fun to write about a CEO who's, like, brash and, you know, loud, giant loudmouth and... So, but if I, if if I was not in the tech industry and I was just you know Joe consumer looking in, I would probably be like, wow, that's annoying. Because I don't know, like, we, but we like we like writing about the guys like the bombers and the you know like the the crazy guys. So here's to the crazy ones, and John mm-hmm. Laguerre definitely qualifies there. But he does you know step in it sometimes, and he is kind of a loudmouth and. But with if if they gave him media training and like really reined him in, like I just don't think it would be as much fun. So I think it's probably good for T-Mobile that he's out there, you know, stirring things up. But I don't know. I, I like him. As a media person, I, I have to like the fact that he is quotable and interesting. In hey, everybody, remember that iPhone launch with Stan Stigman from <laughs> uh, from. Uh, Singular. Singular, which then became AT&T. He was the most boring person ever to be on a stage with Steve Jobs. He was just a field of Zs. So this, you know, this guy is interesting. That said, wireless companies like cable companies are just kind of big monolithic evil entities. And I feel like what Laguerre's act is is really like we're less evil mm-hmm. and, and we're rebel- rebelling against the most evil guys, which is not wrong, but they're still a big phone company and they still are trying to make a lot of money off of you. I love that his uh, strategy seems to be to um, undercut the other companies by offering things that they, they're afraid to. And I think that's really cool. That all said, the whole like Maverick thing, I do wonder um, if it is it's, it's starting to feel a little bit more like a put on and a little less like it's uh, genuine It's feel, I feel sometimes that he's playing a character named John Laguerre who's going to make outrageous statements but I love the fact that T-Mobile continues to tweak AT&T and Verizon and say oh you, you can't bear to have an unlimited data plan well we'll do that um, how you know I, I, so I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm 
I like a lot of his message, but I'm getting a little tired of the act, I guess, because it's starting to feel a little more like an act and a little less genuine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my just gut visceral re- reaction is I really like the guy. I, I I respond to, I mean, I respond to his sort of anti-establishment, if we consider the establishment to be AT&T and Verizon. Right. I respond He's to that a, message. At a larger giant corporation, yeah. a smaller um, giant corporation than them. And I, I sort of, you know, compare him to all the other, you know, rich, high-powered CEOs in the world in America. And he is the only guy who uses swear words, which I appreciate. Yeah. So there's that on stage. I mean, I'm sure they all swear, but he, he it's part of his stage act. I do feel it's cultivated. And, and Susie, you mentioned media training. I have to wonder if this is his media training and like this is his cultivated thing since the very beginning. Um, but I, I respond to it. But I'm also the kind of guy who who uh, gives a pass to you know certain sports stars if if they're showboaters, but they could back it up with 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 good play in the field. Uh, you know, I'm a Ricky Henderson fan, and a lot of people hated Ricky because of the way he you know just his sort of larger than life persona. Um, John Laguerre is like 10x the audacity of Ricky Henderson, and um, but you know if he gets to the point of being a Terrell Owens, then I'm not going to like John Laguerre anymore. So I'll, I'll I'll share that. But to answer your question, I do like John Laguerre. If I if I may quote Ricky Henderson, <laughs> Ricky was born on Christmas. Everyone celebrates Ricky's birthday. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I I, I think uh, uh, John makes an interesting point there with the if you can back it up, it's great. Uh, I think where the act began to wear thin for me was when T-Mobile uh, was cited by the Federal Trade Com- uh, Commission for uh, uh, cramming, which is when you load up people's bills with mm. uh, uh, superfluous charges. And, and rather than uh, do the uncarrier move of saying, oh, you got us. Well, here, here, here's your fine money. Uh, T-Mobile went on on rather this offensive where, oh, why are you picking on us? Everybody does this, which which sort of contrasts with that. But we're different from everyone else mm. message that that was being sold, that that we're on the side of the consumer, except when we're putting things on your bill that you didn't agree to. It's a bit of a tired act uh, when that starts happening. And um, uh, so that's why he's beginning to, to wear on my patience a bit. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well. John Laguerre, keep tweeting those links to Tech Hive. Yes. Say. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about the T-shirt underneath the blazer. That's the, <laughs> oh, that's a bad look. Yeah, I don't like that's that. A, my my theory about him is that this is him, but that at some point everybody was like, "Yes, Do run, run with <laughs> yeah, it," yeah, and now I, it's I become a strategy. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, that, yeah, because I do that think that it started with true. him. And it's now that's his. He's playing himself in some ways, an yeah. exaggerated version, perhaps, of himself. Susie, what's your subject? Okay, so I cover a lot of connected home products and wearables and stuff, and they all seem to be launching on crowdfunding sites recently. I got one yesterday that they sent it to me for review, and they called it a review unit, and it doesn't do two out of the three things that they said it does because it's basically a prototype, but I wasted hours playing with it. But anyway, it's really annoying to me that companies can put these products up on crowdfunding sites, which I think are great for things like art, and um, I've I've kickstarted albums, movies, uh, video games. I just did a sci-fi magazine this week. That stuff it's great for, but these products, when companies are using it as a pre-order engine with like no checks, they can come out and say this product does anything and there's nothing to back it up. And people, they get press coverage, they get tons and tons of money. 
And then it's it's just very annoying to me that people are buying these things for hundreds of dollars when no one's really been able to verify that they work the way the company says it is. So I kind of think the Kickstarter model is a little broken for tech products, and I wanted to see what you guys thought. Yeah, I can't kind of can't decide which I like less. The idea of a product that doesn't exist that you're trying to sell as a pre-order on the hope that it will actually they'll actually be able to come through um, I was a pebble Kickstarter and they got the product out and it does more or less what they said it would but it took way longer than they thought because and they'll admit this they had no idea about how to manufacture tech products at scale and so you can build a prototype of something that does everything you promise but can you deliver so I don't know whether that bothers me more or whether the idea that uh, people are taking um, uh, using Kickstarter as a marketing ploy for their existing product, which I've also seen, where the product's yeah, basically there, and and they're, they're not the whole idea of Kickstarter is you're getting a cash infusion in order to be able to do your business, and then there are other people who are using it essentially as a marketing ploy, and they set a low bar and they go over the bar and they say everybody gets a thing, and then they've already made five thousand of them, and for everybody who doesn't back it, it's immediately available for sale on their website. So I don't like either of those. I think you're right. I think there is a place for Kickstarter and the place for it is something that um, there is something that's well defined that is something that's going to exist and 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 things like in art are better for this and it it can exist but um, the only way they can spend the money to make it happen is to get everybody who wants to buy it to put that money in up front because otherwise they're not going to be able to get over the hump I, that's a reasonable thing that has kind of been exploited into this much broader uh, either either vaporware kind of thing or a marketing ploy, which I don't like. And it's a shame because I do think at its core, there's some good stuff about Kickstarter. Yeah, it, they both, so both your scenarios really annoy me. I think I'm more annoyed by the scenario where the company already has momentum is using investors. Yeah. yeah, Like (laughs) Kickstarter is just another little, uh, news hook, you know, a little marketing hook, like, Oh, we, you know, we passed our goal. They do do that. And, um, you know, I mean, I'd almost like to turn this question around to all of our readers and listeners because as journalists, we're bombarded by this crap and we know how annoying it is. But I have to imagine the people at home, if you know, to use that that often used phrase, like the people at home are probably sort of sick of like, here's another tech product that's coming across Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Um, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, yeah, it's 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 like yeah, th- these platforms. It's like you're signing up to be a beta tester, yeah. and paying for it, yeah. right? It's like you're you're going to be there while they figure out what the heck they're doing. When you could maybe wait and just get the product at the end right. when they figure there it was, out. There was there was that vessel cup, and I can't remember if it was crowdfunded, but it definitely had a big pre-order campaign. And I asked people uh, in an article I wrote about it, why did you order it? Smart cup. Yeah, the smart cup. It was smart. <laughs> That's a smart cup. It was a feature cup. Right? Feature cup, yeah. <laughs> it held liquid. Yeah. That's a feature. <laughs> the uh, the consensus answer was sort of to the effect of, "Hey, it's only a hundred dollars. It's sort of a parlor trick, you know. If it does what it says, you know, I'll, I'll have some fun with it." Um, so I don't I don't know if there's an element of people feeling they get ripped off uh, when it eventually arrives. It's more maybe it's the bigger issue. It never arrives like you and your pebble right. for that first eight or nine months or right. however long it was. But yeah, it annoys me too, Susie. Um, I am not a big believer in crowdfunding. Uh, and now the reign of positivity comes to an end. <laughs> yep. No, I the the um, the the model where someone charges me money for a good or service that I can have immediately seems like a really good model to me. I don't know why I want to. Uh, uh, 
pay someone for the possibility of a product or pay to help with someone's marketing campaign. Uh, I'm sure that there are worthy Kickstarter projects that that potato salad guy's heart seemed in the right place. Yeah. Um, it, it's not for me, um, so I don't I don't get too worked up about it because uh, no one on Kickstarter is getting my money anyhow. Damn kids. Those kids today. <laughs> with their Kickstarters. With their Kickstarters and their Indiegogos. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it feels, it to me, it feels genuine. Sometimes it feels like oh, oh, they're, I, they're, I, the only way I can make this movie, it, and it's also like, I, I might it might be seen by a million people, but I only need the thousand people who love it so much that they want the, the t-shirt and, the, and to join the fan club. If they give me their money up front, I can make it, and otherwise I'm going to have a hard time making it. I can see, but but I'm picking a very specific scenario, and Kickstarter, that, that maybe is, I don't know, 5% of Kickstarters now? There are some very legitimate things out there, but they're getting squeezed out by the uh, by the uh, marketing shills and the the vaporware vendors, and uh, if I may, if I may posit the uh, the fraudsters, yeah. I think you're going to see a rise of uh, of of uh, Kickstarter fraud, crowdfunding fraud, I should say. Yeah, what? definitely. Yeah, what John said about beta testing really resonated with me because this one that I was kind of um, alluding to is on Indiegogo, and there's even a line on their Indiegogo. It's, it's a product that's supposed to be to keep track of your children and like looking on your elderly parents. And they had a line like, "Oh, and your crucial feedback will help us develop our product." And I'm like, "No, I don't want to beta test your crap with my kids <laughs> yeah. and my you no know, no." It's I don't we lost know. your we lost your mom. Sorry, yeah. beta. <laughs> but it help. It's gonna help us with the 2.0 project. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> about your loss. <laughs> Thanks for the feedback. You'll get a discount on it, but you, you have to buy it. But it'll be a discount, 10%. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's time for our bonus question before we go, which is where we like to take the last few minutes to ask something totally off topic. And uh, for this week's bonus question, I uh, yesterday came across a fantastic piece of YouTubery called Cool Cat Saves the Kids, which is a p- very peculiar uh, trailer for a k- failed Kickstarter <laughs> involving a, uh, a a children's book character who is going to do a, a full movie uh, trying to warn kids about the dangers of bullying and also guns in school. And it is the most hilariously terrible thing I have ever seen. And it features Vivica A. Fox and Erica Strada among, and a guy in a cat suit. Anyway, my question for you is, do you have a, a favorite uh, or go to viral video that you can recall. God. You can you can ponder this, Susie. You're nodding. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a favorite viral video? The fox. The what does the fox say? Yes. Fox? Yes. We watched it at my house nine, ten times in a row. The words "kraka kraka kraka cow" have lost all meaning. Um, it's really funny, and everyone I've showed it to has just been like, "What is that? And where did it come from? And who made that? And I want more." Like adults, little kids, like everybody loves this. And thing. And I think the answer is like Norwegians. Or yeah, something. yeah. I think they were <laughs> Danish or, I, or yeah, Scandinavian. All those right? countries are the same to me. So um, yeah, it's it's they, awesome. They've gone mad from the lack of sun during yeah. the winter. Yeah, it's my favorite of all time. All right, the fox. Any other viral uh, viral video uh, choices? It was a dramatic guinea pig or dramatic squirrel? <laughs> dramatic, uh, yeah, squirrel. chipmunk. Dr- yeah, dramatic, dramatic squirrel. Uh, it might have been a chipmunk. There's like a prairie dog? Or a raccoon? There's I a new know. one. Someone sent me a new oh, one really? that's, a, that's a ferret, but it's like the same exact okay. thing. <laughs> well, I'm going to look it up now because I can't remember what kind of, uh, I was about to say vermin, but I'm sure it's more of a rodent. <laughs> Love that one. Of course, Star Wars kid. The, the Benny Hills Star Wars kid. I like that one. <laughs> All right. That's a classic. Yeah. 
That's a good one. A sad story. I mean, I, we shouldn't laugh, but it was funny. It is funny. <laughs> but it was, it's still funny, yeah. knowing it, the cost. It's not in the, <laughs> the same vein as a Cool Cat Saves the Kids, which is produced by well-meaning incompetence. Yes. Um, but I, there, there would be two, one of which is a PSA aimed at kids. Um, it's a 1960s commercial featuring baseball great Willie Mays in which he begs you not to play with any blasting caps you happen to come across as you're <laughs> wandering through your kidly play. And, hey, b- b- blasting caps. And Willie Mays says, don't touch them. I, it, it, it sounds at one point I always think that he's saying don't put them in your mouth, but that's not what he's saying. <laughs> Go on YouTube and find it. Um, the other one that I like, which is uh, uh, very slickly produced, uh, it, was, uh, it came out around the time of the uh, Sopranos finale, which uh, ended in a very unsatisfying manner. And the people in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization did a shot-by-shot remake of the Sopranos finale, complete with uh, the Journey song, um, featuring all their mascots, including the pirate parrot and the various pierogies, people in in pierogi costumes as the Sopranos characters. And it ends with the pirate parrot um, abruptly fading to black as Don't Stop Believin' plays. I must watch that every couple of months, and each time it makes me smile. Well, I've already seen the Cool Cat Saves the Kids video like seven times, So, and it's different every time. Anyway, that brings us to the end on that disturbing note. That brings us to the end of this edition of Clockwise. I would like to thank my guest, John Phillips. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Philip Michaels, thank you for bringing the positivity until the end. Butch the bully forever. Yep. uh Uh-huh. And Susie Oaks, thanks for being here. Thank you. And to everybody out there, thanks for listening. As always here at Clockwise, we remind you one last time, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.